When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along, just seen it's Friday the 13th. If you're anyway superstitious, we'll have people who won't be leaving their houses today because it's Friday the 13th. John Falls taking your calls 0818 103 103. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 086 103 103. And later on on the programme, we will discuss the huge disappointment last night of uh, Derry girl Brooke Scullion, who gave an absolutely stunning performance. She lit up the stage in Turin last night in the Eurovision Song Contest but unfortunately she failed to make it through to the top 10 and only 10 of the 18 were guaranteed a spot in the grand final which is happening tomorrow night. So there we go, the seventh time in the last eight contests that Ireland has failed to progress from the semi-final stage which is just so so uh, disappointing the countries that did get through Belgium Czech Republic actually the Czech Republic was the last song on and I hadn't heard much about it that one kind of flew under the radar a bit I think that one could do well anyway Czech Republic Azerbaijan Poland Finland Estonia Australia Sweden Romania and uh, Serbia the girl washing her hands on stage all made it through to the uh, final Uh, Brooke though uh, said she'd been overwhelmed by the support shown to her in the lead up to the contest particularly from home and she lots of people sending her video messages our own Eurovision winner Dana was one of those obviously um, another Derry native who reached out I saw some of the stars some Derry girls were reaching out uh, to her and everybody thought that we were in with a really really good chance and there was huge reaction from the crowd in Turin as soon as her song uh, kicked off and she just gave this wonderful polished peppy uh, performance and her backing dancers it, it just it looked really good and it was a really nice catchy pop song, pop song but it wasn't uh, to be uh, we still are we still hold on to the title we're the only country to have seven wins under our belt but hot on our heels is Sweden Sweden have six that worries me slightly because I really do like the Swedish entry and David Carlyle who joined us yesterday from Turin he was backing Sweden for the win so if Sweden win they'll match us with the seven and then you've got three countries on five wins the UK, Netherlands and uh, Luxembourg and of course our own Johnny Logan remains the only dual winner of the competition what's another year in 1980 and then he waited seven years for another win with Hold Me Now and then of course five years later he wrote the winning song for uh, Linda Martin which is 20 years ago 
30 years ago this year and that kicked off our three in a row but certainly it is not to be uh, this uh, year what do we need to do? I mean, I was looking at some of the songs that have qualified between the first semi-final and last night's semi-final and a lot of them are kind of the big power ballads and we've tried that in the past. We've sent over the big power ballads and the year we sent over the big power ballads a sort of a catchy, boppy pop song wins. And the year we sent over that catchy pop song it's the big ballads seem to be getting through. We just never seem to be able to get it, get it right. So I'd love to know your thoughts on what do we need to do to turn around our fortunes in the Eurovision uh, Song Contest. And I'm very slow to say, actually, we might as well just pull out and not enter at all because I think we have such an... With this competition, because we are still the country with the most uh, wins, we have a great love and a grow for the, for the Eurovision, but it's just so disappointing that we won't be in the final on Saturday night. But it isn't. It certainly isn't the end on... Uh, Brooke uh, Scully and her EP is coming out early next week and then she, as when she leaves Turin she, she's actually heading to LA where she's going to start writing songs with uh, Megan Trainer. Um, so you know it's the start of her career and it's a great launching pad for her as well as I say we will speak about it uh, in more detail on the programme with uh, Johnny Omani our Eurovision correspondent later on but just to give you the heads up I welcome your thoughts and uh, comments on what you know? What did we do wrong last night? Could we have done any more? And what do we need to do uh, going forward? And also a heads up to something we'll be doing on the programme on Monday morning of particular interest to anyone who's got children under the age of uh, 12. And this is to do in, indeed in all of the papers today, a lot of coverage on it. This is this childhood hepatitis that is causing a real, real worry for parents. Now it does, it's been reported that most of the children who were struck via form of hepatitis, which remember has now led to the death of one child here in Ireland and another child has already had to undergo a liver transplant that most of the children were struck down had been previously healthy. They didn't have any sort of underlying health conditions and the Irish Disease Watchdog are saying all of the cases have been in children under the age of 10. Uh, the oldest here the oldest here was aged 12 but the majority are in children under the age of 10. None of the children here caught it from another infected patient which is a great, a great cause for concern as well. And of course it has been confirmed that six of these very rare cases of uh, hepatitis uh, have been confirmed here in Ireland and hepatitis of course is a form of liver inflammation and there has been more cases reported across Europe and across other countries so it's not just confined here to Ireland so health experts right across the world are starting to wake up and just and trying to work out what is going on with children who are developing this very rare uh, disease that is hepatitis. The HSE says the cause still being investigated. There is now starting to be a suggestion that it is in some way linked to a common virus. And although this condition is very rare, parents are obviously now being urged to be alert for the symptoms. It's things like pale grey coloured stools, a very dark urine and a yellowing of the eyes and a yellowing of the skin. 
they're all the kind of, if you see any of that in a child under the age of 12, I think you need to react very quickly and get your child into a GP. Now, Professor Kingston Mills, who, of course, is an immunology expert in Trinity College, a man we got to know very well because he was quoted so much in the media to do with COVID-19. He says the cause of these rare hepatitis cases is still under investigation. And he says at this stage, it's just simply too early to draw uh, conclusions. But obviously, immunologists from all of the countries where these cases are being identified are all trying to, you know, compare notes and cross-reference research, uh, etc. Professor Kingston Middle said the theory that the lockdown affected children's immune systems and could be contributing to the cases. He says that's questionable. He's not he's not really going with that. But there are talks that it is linked to a pretty common virus. And if it is, then the most effective way, of course, to reduce the spread of, a, of any virus is good hand hygiene and good respiratory hygiene you know the coughing into the elbow and parents are you know being told to supervise to make sure that their children are washing their hands properly as I say we will speak with the GP on the programme on Monday just to give people the heads up if you have children under the age of 12 or perhaps that you might have questions with regard to these hepatitis cases. Patsy says the Eurovision Song Contest is costing RTE 300,000 euros to enter so is a time to relook at all of this. At the end of the day, it is taxpayers' money that is being used. The Eastern Bloc of countries are all voting for each other. But if Ukraine, for example, do win, as is expected to win this year, are they going to be able to host next year? It'll all depend on uh, President Putin, doesn't it? And where where we're at with the war situation, I think certainly it would be a great lift for the Ukrainians uh, if they win. But we'll have to wait until tomorrow night to see to win or uh, not. Uh, hi, Patricia. I felt so, so sorry for Brooke Scullion, but I blame the people who sent Dustin the turkey. They made a show of us and we're paying for it ever since. I'd like to wish Brooke all the best in, in for the future. Are we still, even though I saw in one of the clips that they put together, you know, when they were looking back at previous Eurovisions, I saw Dustin, I kind of cringed and I went, oh God, are we, I don't know if it's been held against us, but uh, certainly we will be remembered for somebody else's iron had the best song by far last night. The others were rubbish, says this uh, texter. Hi Patricia, on last night's Eurovision, what a joke. The Serbian one washing her hands and getting through. That really was a joke, says uh, Elizabeth. Hi Patricia, I think it's time to pull the plug. I don't know if you noticed last night when the three people were giving out the results, Marty Wheeling kept talking at the same time. It was actually very annoying, says John. Couldn't listen to him. I had to change channel. I listened to Marty last night. I actually watched Rylan. I listened to Rylan on uh, BBC Three and obviously my big pick for Tomorrow night will be um, Graham Norton. He's the only man. <laughs> he is. He is the only man to watch for the Eurovision. And a final one, Patricia. We need to get a person that will dress decently and sing like Linda Martin, Johnny Logan, or Brian Kennedy. Also, that lady used to work in the bank. I'm sure you're talking about Neve Cavanagh. Uh, great voices, and all of our ladies in the past wore beautiful dresses. They are representing the country. It's not on any old contest. At the end of the day, we need to go back to basics. I suppose is what that listener is. At 
saying. And just on the point of somebody saying it's all the Eastern Bloc countries voting for each other. Yes, I have to accept a lot of the Eastern Bloc countries got through last night. But in the middle of them, Australia got through. And they certainly can't be classed as an Eastern Bloc country. Text or WhatsApp 0862. 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, cmig.ie. Finance Minister Pascal Donoghue this week received Cabinet approval to keep the lower rate of VAT for the hospitality and tourist sector in place until the end of February next year. To discuss how it will help the sector, I'm joined by Neil Grant, General Manager of the Celtic Hotel in Roscarbury. Good morning to you, Neil. Morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. You're welcome uh, to the programme. How important is keeping the VAT at 9% to our tourism industry, do you think? Yeah, I think it's vital. I think uh, that I've, you know, I've always said that that VAT rate is the, the correct rate uh, just from, from seeing how it helped us in the past. And I think anyone in hospitality and, you know, anyone from the Hotel Federation and, and tourism generally would agree. Um, I mean, it's uh, you know at nine percent we sit roughly in in the middle on an average of the the other Europe or competing European countries in terms of where their tourism VAT rate is. Uh, and if it had gone up to thirteen and a half percent, we would have had the second highest VAT rate in the EU. So that in itself would tell you that that would put us at a disadvantage against uh, you know you know other countries that are competing for tourism. Uh, so, so I think it's vital and I think it's a relief that's it's in place for the moment. And with costs of doing business rising all the time, would it have been very hard for hotels to up their prices if it had gone back up to the 13.5%? Yeah, it, it, would have been, uh, it would have been a right uh, blow, to be honest. Um, I think there's, there's a few things. Like, as you say, the cost of doing business have just gone, you know, they spiralled off the charts. Like, I just, uh, I was looking at my own costs before coming on. Like, our... Uh, our linen costs since uh, November have increased by forty percent yearly. Mm. All right, we we received a a, um, a rate increase for for our linen costs, uh, and it's one of our largest overheads. Obviously, being a hotel, towels, sheets, you know, uh, bathrobes, all of that, um, and it increased in November. Then we got another email increasing it again. So so that's forty percent. Our insurance year on year, despite the fact that we had been trading less. For the last two years, our insurance increased by nearly 30% for this year. Uh, you know, and on top of that, if you look at when pre-COVID in 2019, my yearly uh, insurance costs are 60,000 more versus 2019 a year. So, like, that's, that's just a couple of headlines. We've got our electricity costs are going to uh, possibly double in July because we're out of contract in July. So we're negotiating that now. And our early kind of noises that are being made from, from the energy companies as the, the rates they're giving us are almost double what our energy bill was, uh, our, our unit energy cost was, uh, or is at the moment. So, I mean, in, if you put all of that together and then the VAT increases, uh, that's another 4.5% of a cost that we're bearing, if you like, because to the guests, they just look at a price and they don't consider that in that price is, is the VAT. You know, so... And, you know, the thing is, it gets to a point where to remain competitive, you, you're never going to pass on all of those costs completely. You never are, because if you did, you know, you would have an empty hotel. So you're always balancing. It's not that every hotel is, every cost that increases, that they're, they're, they're sticking up a, 
a price, but at the moment it's almost weekly. My my uh, accountant comes in to me and says, "Have you seen that letter about the one percent increase there or the two percent increase there?" Yeah, or, and it might like know, one um, one one percent here and two percent there doesn't sound like much, but when you add them all up together. Uh, but they also happen frequently. So it's yeah, 1% or yeah. 2%, and in two weeks, the same person is increasing it by another yeah. 1% or I 2%. Saw, I so. saw, an, I was reading an article oh. on uh, one of the papers, and it was to do with, it was a number of restaurateurs were asked about fillet steak, with, you know, some of them saying fillet, like it, yeah. fillet steak yeah. is actually in danger of disappearing off Irish uh, at the menus because of the soaring price. Yeah, um, it's it's yeah. gone so dear now, It's it, it's literally, it's become silly money. I saw one restaurateur from Dingle saying if he was to sell a nine ounce fillet steak he'd have to charge 67 euro for it I mean just and nobody's going to be willing to pay that is the problem Uh, and he's not wrong that's correct I think the thing is look I think in times like this you get creative we took fillet steak off our menu at Christmas time there because we saw the price going up and it had been selling really well but you were getting no major profit margin on it so we just said look let's take it off and we put uh, a flank steak obviously slow cooked and, and whatever to, to keep it nice and tender but it's just not as popular and this is this is the thing while that's a good way to go but to be honest for a farmer they don't want to just be selling you know uh, beef for, for fillets and sirloins they've got to sell the whole animal yeah, to get efficiency yeah. but people have to be in the mindset to change their opinion and to go do you know what I'll try that it's a different cut of meat it's not the normal one I'll try but do you know what I'm going to see how it is but we're not there yet either so it doesn't you change the, the cut of meat and it doesn't always immediately sell. Um, but certainly I would agree with the, the assessment. I, anyone I've spoken to has said the fillet steak is off the menu because it's too expensive. Um, and that's a shame because yeah. that's how we treat ourselves. If we go out and you're having a, having a meal, you might kind of uh, you might want to treat yourself and do it. And look, we'll put it on as a special from time to time, um, you know, because you will and you'll not expect to, to make a margin on it, but you'll do it because you need to give people what they they want to a certain extent too. But it's, it's certainly it's a, it's a funny, funny time, you know, yeah, trying to balance everything. Yeah, because I know at Board Bia we're even saying that the price of Irish beef it's gone up. I think between twenty and thirty percent since the same time last year. But they did point out that it's not the farmers that are are, are getting the benefit because they've no. got the increased cost of grain and fertilizer and, yeah. and fuel. So it's just it's yeah we're really in a yeah. very a very very uh, tricky time. So that's why with the VAT announcement this week a yeah. little bit of good news for the tourism yeah. sector. Would you have preferred if they had gone further? Um, February of next year I saw somebody saying that they, they would like to have pushed out at least until the end of 2023 Yeah, look, I mean the reality is we're, we're agreeing prices with tour operators for next summer and for the summer 2024 at the moment we're agreeing wedding rates with brides and grooms who are you know, in the, the throes of excitement trying to plan their wedding who are planning their wedding for 23 and 24 so by saying like the VAT increased uh, or the VAT is, is being retained at the current level until February, we've got no clarity on pricing for, for other things down the line that are booked well in advance. I think this, I, I believe going year by year is, is no use. I don't think that's the right strategy. It's not a correct strategy to give anyone certainty. Um, I think, as I say, I think the biggest thing is quite alarming, as I say, when you, you have the... Uh, the VAT rate, uh, you know, if it did go up to 13.5%, it's the second highest in Europe. Like, why why are we having the debate year after year after year? Why can't we have a strategy where we look at, you know, what our competitors are doing, what the other countries in the EU are doing, and say, well, look, that's where they're at. So let's just 
stay there because that keeps us competitive with them and and it gives everyone certainty. You know, I I, I kind of I just I scratch my head that we seem to be debating that every single year, yeah, yeah. and it's come back to nine percent for a reason. It's come back to nine percent because it didn't work at thirteen and a half percent. Okay, there was a pandemic and that was an extreme reason, but I, I just um, I, I just am puzzled by it. I, I, so I do think that it should have been done on a more long term basis. I think they've got to appreciate, and no matter how often I say this, you know, we are doing business. We're we're quoting prices for two years ahead, sometimes even more. Like we it's the nature, it's the nature of the business. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah exactly. and, and I know full well uh, we'll be back at the start of next year with the Restaurant Association, the Hotels yeah. Federation, calling the for energy. them to keep the. Yeah, it's just yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Come here, tell us how how is how is the hotel doing? How's the Celtic um, Ross Hotel doing? Has, has the summer season started for you? Yeah, it's kind of kicking off. It's uh, it still kind of peaks and troughs a bit. Uh, you know, you'll be very busy for Easter and then it drops off the week after a holiday period or a week after a, um, a kind of uh, bank holiday weekend. It can It's still a bit up and down, but I mean, the forward bookings for the summer are phenomenal, Brilliant. which is great. Uh, there's been some, uh, you know, generally, the you know, we've had a lot of the weddings coming back and we've had some of the, the bigger weddings that we would have done in two and a half years. So that's been... Uh, that's been great to see uh, a bit of normality in that side. So we're fairly positive. I think the the staffing has been a challenge. There's no doubt that you know we're we're accommodating more staff and staff accommodation than ever before. We're paying more agency fees and such like because you've got to go further afield and and so balancing the the demand of the business at times with what you can actually deliver. Uh, you know, in terms of uh, sometimes we've had to call a halt and say, well, look, we're at capacity now and. So there's other other challenges, but I think I'd be much more worried if there wasn't demand. And there definitely is, which is is really positive. And when when you say the forward bookings are, are good, are they are you getting overseas vi- visitors or are the staycationers still staying um, in Ireland? Bit of both. We certainly saw the staycationers were less than Easter. We we definitely our Easter was quieter than it had been for a number of years. Uh, now at the same time you know the level of business with the staff we had and it was a nice experience and we were fine but there definitely seemed to be a little bit of uh, you know that uh, people uh, the staycationers had decided to go abroad this uh, for the Easter holidays so we definitely saw that that had dropped off the summer months we've just we always have a good balance like in summer like the tour the overseas business the individuals from overseas the UK has actually been bouncing back quite nicely for us our online bookings from the UK are solid. So, we've, are the we've are got, the Americans um, are the Americans around? Yeah, we we had um, uh, we had about three or four hundred room nights booked from the US in the space of a month and a half. Just uh, you know about uh, you know just a short time ago there because we we ran a um, we ran with something that that kind of brought in that number of bookings and it was a a nice boost. It all came at once and then it kind of tapered off. So. There's definitely signs that they are coming back. Yeah, we've, we've had a bit of US business. And our first US tour, uh, you know, 27 people or so arrived back uh, a couple of weeks ago and we hadn't seen them for two years. It was uh, like old friends, you know. You should be busy yeah. in the hotel this week because the weather, yeah. the forecast is good and of course uh, where you're situated you'll get a lot of day, day trippers etc which is which yeah. is also fantastic. And just before I let you go when I heard you say the, the big weddings are back I'm really um, intrigued by that because when the small weddings with the, the pandemic there was the kind of the talk about would we ever go back yeah. to big weddings and people were talking about all oh, the intimate weddings were, were great but you're saying no the big Irish uh, wedding no. 
no. is as strong <laughs> as ever. Well, no. What I would say is it's half and half. Is it's it? Not completely. Uh, we had the, the one wedding we had, which was very big. It was over two hundred. The like that was the biggest we'd done in a while, and it was amazing. It was great. It was well, a great buzz. Yeah. But then for that, there's still a few that were meant to be more and have gone for less. Um, and there's still people that drop out, you know, because they're sick or they've got COVID or whatever. So it's it's not completely consistent. That's absolutely like we. You know, weddings are one of many things we do, so I can't speak on behalf of the, the wedding venues, but I, I certainly have heard that it's not completely back, that all weddings are back to the big, big numbers. But certainly there's things that some are coming back in that manner, and uh, and it's nice to see. But we then, love no, it's, 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 it's couple by couple. God, yeah, we love couples, but we love, our, yeah. we love our big weddings here in Ireland, let's be honest. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. a big thing. Yeah. Like an Irish, you can't beat an Irish wedding no, in terms can't. of when it finishes. Yeah. When it, uh, and the time it finishes is, is always the, the big one. When you go, I go back to the UK for a wedding, not that I've done that in a number of years, but when I have in the past, you know, it's, uh, it's lights out much earlier than, than in Ireland. It's completely so it's, uh, different, completely yeah. different. Listen, <laughs> a pleasure as always to talk to you, Neil. Uh, thanks a million for that and we'll chat again. Thanks for uh, joining us. Uh, thanks a million. Good thanks morning. Bye bye. Neil Grant there, who is the general manager of the uh, Celtic Ross Hotel in Roscarbury. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Yesterday, during my chat with Pat Dawson of the Irish Travel Agents Association, we were talking about the lifting of the mask mandate on some EU flights from next Monday. West Cork Councillor Declan Hurley reached out to us about a possible problem facing some with passports this year. And we decided we'd bring Declan on to explain more. Good morning to Declan. And uh, thank you for, for for this because I wasn't aware of this. The, the issue that has come to light is to do with applications needing consent forms. And we've all at some stage over the years had to go into the Garda station and you get the photograph signed by the local Garda. Now, what what is now happening to that scenario? The, the, the problem that's coming to the, the, the surface is that when you go to the Garda station to get your documentation and your, your ID, um, validated by the Gardaí. They're also asking the Garda at the desk to um, give the consent, uh, sign the consent form, which is underneath. Um, to, obviously, when you go to the passport office, then that person is going to be contacted to say, look, this is the person that I signed the form for. But what uh, seems to be an issue for the last uh, month that I'm finding, because the most of the phone calls I'm getting now is people that are ringing up saying, I've got an email today, uh, the person, the, the, the passport office, uh, rang the person on my consent form. They weren't able to speak to that person, and now I must resubmit a new consent form again. So the advice I'm giving out at the moment if people are applying for uh, passports is, number one, the online system seems to be the best um, system to go with. It's, it's the paper application seems to be where the problems are arising. And when you do go to the cigar station to get your papers validated, get somebody else um, to, to sign the consent part of that form unless the station is 24-hour because even take, say, now my own hometown here of the Manway, it's not a 24-hour guard station. The next village, Berlin Steam, is not a 24-hour guard So if the person in the passport office rings that guard station looking for that particular guard, there's no probably no answer on the phone or they're off duty and there is the problem. They have to go back in and resubmit uh, new paperwork and it just delays the whole process of issuing the um, 
Oh, that's desperately fr- frustrating. It's, and this would mainly be for first-time applicants, wouldn't it? It seems to be first-time applicants. The renewals seem to be uh, kind of go through seamlessly enough. But it's the new applications and particularly the new paper form applications are the ones that they seem to be following up on the consent uh, of the of the application and, and they're not the problem. I have signed, I think, what eight at this stage now. Re- they're re- resubmitting the documentation. But again, that's adding another two or three or maybe four weeks onto the um, initial date that they were hoping to get their, their passport for. Like I have eight families at the moment um, pulling their hair out. There's three of those travelling in two weeks' time. There's two families travelling this time next week, and there is no sign of the, uh, the passport being coming out to the sign. I'm on the phone daily, and I'm, I'm on the phone an hour at a time waiting for somebody to answer a phone. Just trying to get through is just a nightmare. I'm as frustrated now as the families are who are waiting for the passport to come through. Yeah, and, and you're right. A, a straightforward renewal uh, online is certainly working and working very efficiently because anytime we mention an issue with passports, we inevitably will get a text or a call in from somebody to say, I applied online on Monday and by Wednesday or Thursday into the letterbox came my new passport. So that is, if you can do it online and it's a straightforward renewal, that's perfect. But it's when there's anything new to be added to the passport or it's a first-time passport or it's a passport for children where there's consent forms that have to be signed, that's where the problem is arising. That's the big problem, yeah. And, and again, like, when you go and get a... Like, sometimes it's not easy to get somebody to sign a form, but it's part of the application. And again, uh, one other little problem is um, if you're sending away, you have to send original documentation and that all gets returned again with your uh, your passport. But sometimes, in, in a panic, people are sending away what they think is an original birth certificate, but they fail to see that there's copy written across it, and that's rejected as well, too. So just do make sure that when you are sending away original documentation, it's not copies or not copies of original documentation. That, again, is, is, a, is a flaw in the system. It won't be accepted. So you need to, when you, if you have to get a form signed by a, a member from Garda Shikona, you're saying go to a Garda station that you know is open 24 hours? Yes, or ideally, I would even go as far as advising people to get a complete, get a separate, a neutral person, uh, a family member or a neighbour or a friend who can sign it and who will be, who will be as well, at the end of the phone when the passport office um, will ring to validate that person. Because again, if you go to 24 hours, uh, the guard station, there is the event that that guard will be off, off duty. duty yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. in there lies the problem, even though the guard station will answer the phone, the actual guard name on the form may not be on duty and it won't be accepted if we go back in and, and be submitting no form against the ID. Has that always been the case that whoever, the, whatever guard assigns it, do they always get a call about it? Well, I, I've signed six in the last two months and I've got four calls of six, um, but I'm I'm, it, it seems to me, to me, it's a new, to answer your question, it seems to be a new thing to me. I wasn't aware of this in the past. It, it, it wasn't a problem when renewing passports. It's only since, um, I thought people started making new applications again this year, it seems to be an issue. And you're able to sign it. Are you a commissioner? The, are you a notary uh, or yes, a peace, peace commissioner? commissioner. Peace yeah. commissioner, okay. Yeah, yeah so yeah. maybe go down that route rather than going into the Garda station. It seems to be a more, look, there's no guarantees when you go applying for a passport that you're going to get it on time and it seems to be the case that you're being advised now not to book your holiday until yeah. you have your passport yeah. uh, in your hand. That there is pictures in the system. It's not an ideal system and paperwork can go wrong at the best of times. Um, but like I say, 
is just to know where the pitfalls are and to remove those. And if people are out there and have planning holidays for the remainder of this year, if they are going down the route of a paper application or a new application, my advice is to get a solicitor or a police commissioner or a commissioner of the oath to give the consent rather than the guard at the desk who will validate the, the ID. Yeah, I've I've a friend of mine who recently had a and had a little baby. They've no plans to go away, but she's already applied for the baby's passport because she said because you know she doesn't have to worry about it. There's no time restraint on it. But she said rather than put herself through the stress if they decide to go away next year, trying to get a passport together. So I, I thought that was a, a good piece uh, of advice. And then the general advice to everybody, Declan, who you know may be planning on travelling away because haven't used our passports. Most of us since 2019 is dig out those passports in advance of booking a holiday and make sure that your passport, because you don't get a letter to say your passport is out of date. You don't, and I think that's something that I would like to follow up on, is that there should be something in the system, and it, it happens with your uh, insurance of the car, it happens with your uh, tax renewal that you get in order it does, to... It happens car. with your driving licence, doesn't it? It, it? Yes, it does, yeah. and so I don't see why the same can with your passport, and I would advise anybody listening to the, the show this morning do go away, just pull out your passport, number one, find it, and secondly, see if it is in, in date. If it's out of date, I would advise to get the application processed as soon as possible. As currently, there's, there's 190,000 applications currently in the system to be processed. Yeah, and remember that some countries insist that you must have between three and six months left on your passport as well. You don't want to spend your hard-earned cash. You get to the airport and you can't get on the plane. Okay, good words of advice. Uh, And just, Declan, while I have you on on the line, just on a a different uh, topic... The, and I saw you commenting on this, the, the planned safety improvement works to Glandor Pier in West Cork. That is not going to lead to what some media were speculating, an 80% reduction in storage capacity. That's not the case. Um, I, I, to be honest, Patricia, you, I, I'm not 100% convinced it won't. I'm, I've, I've put the question to Cork County Council. They've said it won't. I've met with locals on the ground. They don't agree. Um, I, the, the whole system that I can see at the moment is, is flawed. There should have been uh, engagement with communities down there and stakeholders on before this went out to public consultation. Um, it, 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 it has happened before with, um, with Union Hall. Now it's Glendora. What's going to be the next? The, the system has to change. But there, there is grave concern down there. And again, we've had the issue with Kilbeg Pier um, a number of years ago. There's another issue now with another section of that pier. And again, there is no proper engagement on the ground with communities until this goes up to public consultation. That's the first they hear of it. And then. And that's that, when that's the panic then ensues when, for people. It's when they don't know, when they don't have the information. This is it. And like already now, there's a background um, created on the ground between Cork County Council and the stakeholders in Bandor because this information wasn't fed out to the, the locals down there. And you, you will. You'll get or you'll read information, but at the same time, it's not always clear or precise uh, on um, on an application. But like it's, it's to go down and meet and explain fully what some of the work is being done for valid reasons because of safety issues. But at the same time, uh, the the yacht club down there feels that the space that won't be removed is going to put them out of business, and they haven't been reassured yet that that's not going to be the case. And here we have um, a public consultation process finished now, whereby it seems to be a fair to complete that this work is going to be carried out. Storage space will, will be lost. And um, it's the bread and butter of the community down there in Vandor. Uh, it, it's on the shore. There's a fantastic theatre for uh, sailing and boating um, coming into the summer. And now you have this, this 
this dark cloud hanging over them, whether their future is going to, are they going to survive at the yacht club, uh, even when these works are um, carried out. Okay. All right. Listen, keep us posted if anything else breaks on that particular story, uh, Declan. But in the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks, Patricia. Good morning to you. That is West Cork Independent Councillor Declan Hurley. On the way uh, in the next hour, we'll be catching up with the Debenhams, ex-Debenhams workers, and they were protesting outside the Dáil yesterday. Not doing it for themselves, doing it for the workers of the future. Cork Today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Thank you to Anne O'Connell, who has sent me in a text, if I can find it here, asking would we send best wishes to Anne's daughter, Aoife O'Connell, of Gert Napista in Clondrohet. And the reason that she wants us to send her daughter, Aoife, all the best, Aoife will be representing or taking part in the Sydney Rose of Tralee contest which is happening tomorrow evening obviously in Sydney Now Simone Aoife moved to Sydney just last January and she's currently working in the correctional services so she's a prison officer is she? Uh, enjoying her new role and the challenges that it brings but she is now heading to the Rose of Tralee and ultimately one of her own could be representing Sydney in the Rose of Tralee festival for this year which would be fantastic and will you let us know please on Monday morning send us in a text and let us know how forgot on so that we can give her a mention but we send um, our best uh, best best wishes to Aoife O'Connor trying to win the Sydney Rose competition on Saturday. Thank you for that Anne. And just when we were talking about the Gardaí and the problems that Councillor Declan Hurley has seen that's cropping up of people going in and when you need to get your picture or something stamped by the Gardaí and you know that they need to sign it to say that it is who it is and all of that and some problems that are arising out of that. As Susan was on to say, Patricia, I'm a GAA coach, coaching teams of all ages in my local club for the last 12 years ago. You, Susan, I can't stress enough to new parents and coaches getting involved with teams that they need to get Garda vetted. If you're not vetted, you can't coach. Simple as that. And I know, I don't know what it's like at the moment. There had been delays with people trying to get Garda vetting because so many people were going forward for be a job or whatever and I know there was a bit of a delay so if that's something you're considering getting involved in again a little bit like with the passport start planning sooner rather than later thank you for that uh, Susan also just on the passports the listener says I know of a person who went into the local Garda station to get a form stamped and signed by the Gardaí as requested on the form but the Gardaí in question signed but then wouldn't stamp it. Anyway, it was posted away. Guess what? It was returned a few weeks uh, later to say it had to be stamped. So off back down to the Garda station, another Gardaí on duty who couldn't figure out why the first Garda hadn't stamped it, looked for ID which the passport holder had and the first Garda had all of the same information but at least the second Garda was more sensible and did uh, stamp it. It was a while ago since this listen that it happened and it was for a little baby uh, and if you're doing it for a baby you have to have all of the stamps and everything signed, sealed and, and everything done properly and that's the one thing we always say about any of those applications to make sure that you've all the I's dotted the T's crossed and you've the exact information and the exact forms and if it's an original of a form you've got to make sure that it's the original of the form because that just delays the process even further. And Sean, thank you Sean for this, wants to give out a word of warning to say he's put, he's put two 
two ads up on this week trying to sell obviously some items and he got replies from two different what he says two different numbers they both wanted to arrange collection with the same courier and then but they were looking for card details Sean says a cop straight away it is a scam so please beware particularly if you're trying to sell something there are scam artists who are going through all of those different websites trying to catch people out so please please be careful uh, Mossy in West Cork says Patricia you spoke yesterday about people not working and, and people thinking that they were able to work and this this was to do with a listener who had lost her job during the pandemic and was kind of having a go at the young Ukrainians who had arrived in Yall and a, one of them had managed to get, it was only four days in Yall and had managed to get a part-time job in hospitality and this lady was saying she qualified in a lot of different things and she can't get work anywhere and I was just saying I find that so strange today because there's so many job vacancies out there. Anyway, Massey makes a point that some people have what he calls in inverted commas invisible illnesses, for example, a mental health issue. He says, I know of one young person who dropped out of college and is now earning €50,000 a year in a factory job. I'd be twice that person's age and I'm asked to survive on €10,000 per year on social welfare. Any logical person would like to be earning 50000 rather than trying to survive on 10000 It's all about the health lottery that we have and how lucky some people are health-wise. Your health is your wealth, says Mossy. The healthier you are, possibly the wealthier you are. Yeah, that's true as well. It does tie in with that. Thanking you. Um, thanks for that, uh, Mossy, and indeed good health to you. And just on that woman who contacted us about the young Ukrainian and uh, was, you know, kind of bemoaning the fact that this young Ukrainian got a job and, and she can't get a job. That led somebody to contact us and it came in at the end of the programme and just didn't get a chance to read it out saying, Hi Patricia, just came in on the tail end of the conversation about the young Ukrainian guy getting a job. If that woman lives anywhere near y'all, can I suggest to her that she takes a walk on the boardwalk, sit, have a cup of coffee by the Quality Hotel and just sit there and watch those heartbroken mothers and children sitting on the beach trying to fill their days while thinking of their family members in the Ukraine. If she's a mom, put herself in the position just for five minutes each one of the new residents in the Quality Hotel in Yall will say good morning to you. They'll smile at you when you greet them. Tell her to look into the eyes, look into the eyes of those children. Maybe she could volunteer down there to find herself a new job. Uh, thanking you. Yeah, and so many people who have interacted with the Ukrainian refugees will say that the sadness you can, even though they're trying to get on with their lives as best they can, but all of their thoughts, all of their thoughts are back home and all they want to do is to be back home. And if, God forbid if any of us found ourselves in a position like that, that's all you'd want to do. You'd want to be as quickly as possible on that first plane to get back home and to get back home to the loved ones that you've left behind and to try to get back in and resume your life as it was pre the Russian invasion into Ukraine. So thank you. I thought that was a really heartfelt, heartfelt WhatsApp. And it is somebody who is filled, whose own heart, I think, is filled with love and compassion. So go you. Thank you for your WhatsApp from yesterday. And apologies that I'm only getting to it a day later. And then Anthony and Rascarbury was also on to us following our programme yesterday when we were talking about uh, what we had been talking about dog attacks the previous day on sheep. And we had a local family farm, sheep farmers 
who were devastated just before Christmas when 20 ewes were mauled apart by one one random dog who then went on to attack sheep on other neighbouring farms as well. And then yesterday we spoke with the professor from UCD who was talking about the study they have done and how if you bring your dog to the beach and you don't clean up after your dog, the problems it can cause with bathing water and the problems it can cause obviously for children playing in the sand. If you just, you know, kick the sand over your dog pool, don't clean it up and don't bring it home or off the belief. I should wash into the sea. It'll cause all kinds of problems when it does wash into the sea. Anthony in Roscarbury says, oh yeah, and then that led me to say it's pet own responsible pet ownership. We need owners. It's not the dog's fault. A dog will do what a dog has to do when he needs to do his business uh, but we need the owners cleaning up after them Anthony says we need to reform the canine industry in this country microchipping is worth nothing we need DNA that leads the dog owner and the location once a pup is born DNA should be taken from every single pup in this country and it should be placed in a database I also think the dog needs to be reformed and replaced with a dog passport similar to the equine passport which again will lead to the location and to the owner of that individual pet. You wouldn't have a sheep killed because it would be simple to get the DNA and you'd be able to trace it back to the person. Uh, The new system would be linked directly to the owner. That needs to be looked at and that's from Anthony in Roscarby. Thank you for that, Uh, Anthony. More of your texts coming the Eurovision. Jason says, nobody should be watching the Eurovision tomorrow night. Ah, don't do that to us, Jason. Don't do that to us. Jason says, time to pull the plug now and stop saying sending young musicians to these out to these countries, putting them through the disappointment and the embarrassment of yet again not qualifying. It's not fair to be putting them through this. It's not a song contest anymore. It's a case of love thy neighbour. And while this is going on, Ireland will never qualify. We deserve, we deserved to go through last night. What a performance that young girl Brooke put in. Uh, just to take a look at, now I can't use that word, some of the uh, bull that qualified over the last two semi-finals. I need say no more. Except if Ukraine are through on sympathy votes, then we need to scrap the contest altogether, says Jason. Well, I don't know about will Ukraine win on this. They certainly will pick up a sympathy vote uh, for sure. But a lot of people are liking the song, so I, I don't think it will just be a sympathy vote. The symp- If it is a sympathy vote, that's the vote that will come from the public. Because remember, the, and we'll get Johnny to explain it, the vote is split between jury votes and a public vote. So, you know, I don't think a jury vote are going to give them a sympathy vote. They surely will vote. The juries will vote on the quality of the song and the performance. And John says, um, thank you for that, uh, Jason, for your text though. John says, hi, Patricia. I think it's time also to pull the plug. I don't know if you noticed last uh, Last night, oh, I, I've read that one already. That was to do with Marty Whelan talking over the other people. That really annoyed uh, John. Final one's in on the Eurovision. Seamus says, and the punishment continues. The legacy of insulting musicians, singers and the Eurovision Song Contest as a, as a whole with a puppet turkey in a shopping trolley to represent Ireland. It's never been the same since. Take the hint, Ireland. Eurovision do not want us taking part anymore since we sent a turkey. Give it up. It's over for Ireland, says Seamus. And Helen says it's time now to stop entering this as I don't think we'll ever win again. It's just gone too political and they're just voting for their neighbours. The song doesn't seem to matter anymore. I felt so sorry for Brooke. She did an amazing job and she deserved to go through. Soul destroying for her. Time for us to pull the plug. 0818 John Paul takes your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862 
103 103. C103 Jobs. With Munster Technological University, enhance your career prospects with MTU's range of full-time, part-time and professional courses. Succeeding together with MTU.ie. Kitchen assistant slash porter slash chef wanted for cow. That's the Asian street food in Mallow. Drop a CV into the restaurant or you can ring, ring Svetlana on 022 582 Five, five. Fan driver wanted multi-drops in Cork City and County. Ken is your contact 86 Teleporters are required. That's for sites around Cork City. CVs to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com. And a sales retail assistant is wanted for work at Cork Airport. CVs please to paul.gavin at whs, whsmith.com. .co.uk. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. When I mentioned Aoife O'Connell from Clondrohet after her mammy sending in the text asking us to wish her all the best, she's taking part in the Sydney Rose of Tralee contest uh, tomorrow night. It was inevitable that I was going to get a text in from somebody else to tell me there's another local girl taking part in the Sydney Rose and it's Mairead Brennan who is originally from Glantan in Mallow. She's also a finalist in the Sydney Rose. Mairead is a 27-year-old nurse who's been living in Sydney since January of last year. So good luck to Mairead Brennan as well. Now former Debenhams workers from Cork travelled to Dublin yesterday to protest outside the door for a change in the law to better protect employees' interests in liquidation cases. One of those former workers, Valerie Condon, who took part in that protest yesterday, joins me. Good morning to you, Valerie. Good morning, how are you? I'm very well and, uh, and, and thanks so much for, for joining us this morning. Now, this is to do with the legislation that, had, of course, has become known as the Debenhams Bill. Just remind us uh, when and uh, if in place how it would protect workers. So what it is, is that so if, if people have a collective agreement like we did, we had the two plus two, that's where it came from, that people would be entitled to that. But not only that, they would be brought up further on the creditors bill, on the creditors list, so that at least when they're up further, they'll be up at the, at the beginning of it, that they'll get what they're entitled to then. And there'll be no more having to strike or go through what we had to go through for 406 days. 406 days it's 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 just incredible so if this bill had been passed and in law it would have made a huge difference to all oh, of these made, workers yeah it would have made an awful little, uh, difference even if the Cleary's bill had been if the Catastrophal bill had been passed it wouldn't have helped us much but it would have been better um, but this bill is better because of the fact that it's bringing you further off the creditors list you know, yeah, no, so would make, and we're not fighting for ourselves now at this stage, obviously, because it's, we're done and over with. But it's for the future now that we're thinking of. Yeah, I mentioned that earlier. I thought, and when I was talking about you all heading off to Dublin yesterday, it was one of the things that I thought was 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 really great of all of you as workers. It's not about yourselves; it's it's no. all about the future workers. Okay, so we I've mentioned and spoken about this bill before in the program, certainly last year. What what's the delay? What's what's going on with it? Because last year it got through to the second stage last year, and then the government, Michal Martin and Leo Bradke, decided to put it on the shelf for a year. 
um, just to just to delay it. I suppose they used COVID at the time as an excuse. But the year was up yesterday. So now it is going through, going the next stage of it will go through a committee. And um, at that, so there's a few stages to it. So the next stage is for, for the committee now to have a look at it. So hopefully it'll get through to the next stage then after that. Yeah, because you can't really see anybody objecting to something that's going to protect workers, could you? I can't. Yeah. Uh, nobody should object to it. But then you have the employers that IBEC, is, IBEC won't agree with this. Simply because they'll be thinking... Uh, they'll be thinking of collective agreements that are owed to people. So even though you and, my, you and me would say it's going to help employees uh, in the future, I bet would look differently at that. What was it like to be back out on a picket line, Valerie, yesterday? Very strange. <laughs> I have what? to say, very strange. It was great to see so many staff that we wouldn't have been able to contact simply because of COVID. We were, there was our first time meeting a lot of people yesterday. But yeah, I kind of brought it all back very fast yesterday when we were outside the Doyle protesting. I was saying, she's, we're back, to, we're back to square one. <laughs> <laughs> but well done. You, 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 you still went off and, and did it. And are, are a lot of, are, are you in contact with a lot of the workers or how, how has that all worked out? Well, yeah, we would have our WhatsApp groups with the different shops. Um, I suppose the shop stewards, uh, we would have had one on our own. So we would be still in contact. Because there's still a few bits and pieces that have to be cleaned up. Um, so, yeah, we would be in constant contact, but it's the first time we've actually physically seen each other, you know. Mm. And there you were with placards in your hands yet there again. We yes. It'd be nice to meet up when you won't have a placard in your hands, says you. It'd be and, lovely. And have, have many of the former workers, Valerie, gone on to, to secure new employment? So a good few have gone back into retail. Um, I myself have no interest in retail now, simply because it's too volatile, I wouldn't trust it. A lot of people are doing courses. Um, so they're hoping then to get something out of that. Some people are taking a bit of a break, um, but just to see what what is because some they they've been in retail all their life and suddenly they've been thrown out and they don't know what to do. Mm. So they're trying to think and figure out what they want to do. And did you love working in retail when when you worked there? I still love re- working in retail. I love retail. Um, at the end of the day, like I was working in Roach Stores, or Roach Stores Devonance, 24 years. Before that, I was in another retail store. Uh, since I'm 16 and a half, I've been in retail. I absolutely love it. But you can't trust it. You know what I mean? It's all online now. And it's yeah. there. And, and, and what is it? Is is it that no two days are the same and it's the interaction with with people? You're constantly busy. Like, I remember talking to somebody before and they thought retail that you were just standing behind a counter. No, you're not. You're constantly doing this. All different jobs in it. You're doing all different things and you're constantly talking to people. You're meeting new people. And people, like, I'd walk down Patrick Street and people would say, I know your face. Do you? Ah. You know, they know yeah. you. Yeah. You know? I, it's funny. I, I do that all the time. I'll pass somebody on the street saying, where do I know that woman from? Yeah. And then suddenly it'll twig, oh, that's the woman in the chemist or that's the woman in exactly. the bread shop or, or, or whatever. It's almost like we know you. It's, you know, yeah, yeah because, of, <laughs> because of all the interactions. And God, you, you gave like 24 years and then to be treated like that. Mm, yeah, it was awful really. Um, and the fact that they they knew that they could get away with it because at the time the law was on their side. So that's why it's very important now that this does come in and that it'll change and shops won't be, uh, retail, any employee, employer won't be so fast to kind of say, yeah, we're closing up today, you know. Yeah, workers now just yeah. so need to be uh, protected. And when you started the protest, uh, 
I mean, did you ever think? I mean, because because I remember chatting with somebody. I don't know if it was yourself or one 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 of the one of the shop stewards when you were a year out there. And I remember thinking, my God, I can't believe that these people are protesting for a year. You could never have imagined you'd be four hundred and six days protesting. There was no way. I like even at the beginning of it, I, I was saying to myself, I hope this isn't going to go on. I would never have thought it went to a hundred days. Not in mind the hundred and sixty one days when we met, when we started matching beta cortex. And then 400 days, you know, it was, yeah, it's just, I think it was probably because of COVID as well. They were, they were just leaving us there. Was they it, didn't care. Was it, you know? t- was it tough? Some days were very tough simply because you were out in yellow and red warning. Like there were some days there that, uh, or where we were with flooding and it was scary between the winds. I was out there one night at um, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock in the evening and in the middle of a red warning. You know, we had storms and everything. Yeah. And, and I mean, you went because you were there over a year. You went through all of the seasons. Fine yeah. on a nice sunny day. I'll get a bit of sunshine. Yeah. But in the wilds of winter. Yeah. 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 You know, the only thing is when it did finish, then there was a lot of people missed it because they didn't have the interaction with people. You know, so I think they missed it a lot. They did find it hard at the beginning when it all finished uh, just to try and get back to a bit of normality. I myself had a full night's sleep, so I was okay. <laughs> yeah, but that's when reality bites and the realisation, mm-hmm. yeah. I now, what, what am I now going to do with my life? Because yeah. the workers, you're, you're of all age groups. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, there was some young people going to college right up to 60, you know what I mean? So definitely all age groups. And Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Uh, people, even weren't they, when they weren't even rostered to be on duty, picket duty, they used to come down just for a cup of coffee or, you know, just to have a chat because they were still interacting. Well, there's a camaraderie as well, yeah. isn't there? And yeah. this, this almost safety in numbers of everybody uh, just being uh, together. So, have you? So, are you still thinking about what you're going to do career-wise, Valerie? Or? Well, I'm, I'm doing. I'm working at the moment. I'm working for the HSC. I'm in clerical. So, oh, yeah, that's completely different. Completely, yeah, yeah, a little bit out of my comfort zone, but sure, we we'll get used to it. And are you, lo- <laughs> are you loving it? 
I I like it. I'm missing the. Um, I, I I'm probably still finding it hard to be sitting down all day. I'm missing yeah. the constant going. But yeah, I do. I do like it. Yeah, well done. And I'm working with great people. Well done, well done. And well done to each and every one of you uh, who took obviously a day off, all of you to take a day off, make your way to Dublin last night, uh, make your way to Dublin yesterday and protest outside the Dáil. We'll keep an eye on this, the Debenhams bill as as it is and will will always be known as, which in some way, it writes you all into the history books, doesn't it? Well, it does, it does. And you know, like we feel then, because the three million fund wasn't any good to any of us really, but we feel that we're after achieving something if we do get this bill in. And you as, know. as you say, it's for yeah. the future workers. The yeah. future workers exactly. will, will yeah. all will my own children. You'll never you be know. forgotten, Valerie. That's for sure. I okay. hope not. <laughs> Listen, lovely, lovely to talk to you. Um, continue good luck with your new career choice, and indeed to everybody, all of the former Debenhams uh, workers. And uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you very much. Good morning to you. Uh, bye bye. That is Valerie Condon, one of the former Debenhams workers. They will say they were back out uh, with protesting yesterday. They're a mighty bunch uh, for sure. So we will keep a close eye on what is happening with the Debenhams bill because the one year was up yesterday. Let's see what happens from uh, here. Oh, eight, six, two, one, oh, three, one, oh, three. John Paul taking your calls. You can, or there, sorry, it's text and WhatsApps. John Paul is taking your calls. So at oh, eight, one, eight, one, oh, three, one, oh, three. Let's take a break and we'll chat with our Eurovision correspondent, uh, Johnny O'Mani. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. So we now know the full lineup for this year's Eurovision Song Contest which will be staged in Turin in Italy tomorrow night. Huge disappointment that Brooks Gullion didn't make it through last night's second semi-final. Our Eurovision correspondent uh, Johnny O'Mani joins me. Good morning to you Johnny. Good morning Johnny. Hi, Hi. Trisha. Yeah, can you hear me? Sorry, I had the wrong fader I, I, up. I, I, I can hear you. I can yeah. hear you perfectly. Okay, a huge disappointment. Uh, I mean, there, w- there was nothing else Brooke could have done last night. She did everything that could possibly have been done. It's pure shock. I when they said Serbia at the end, my jaw was you, you know it just hit the floor. Um, I don't know how Brooke must have felt at that point because. The performance, the staging, everything was was as it should be, and uh, and probably one of the highlights of the show last night, I think. But uh, so disappointing. Yeah, because I even felt the camera, which obviously is operated by the Italians. I don't know how many times they flashed to Brooke, and they yeah, were expecting that, her. Yes, yeah, that was that was my feeling. I thought, oh, great, the camera's on her, so she's, you know, and. Um, you know, even I, I, I don't think there's anybody, even people that, you know, non-Irish people that all over you're watching. It it was highly, hotly tipped to qualify. You know what I mean? And and there, there was talk. Yes, I spoke to a few different people. Yes, that they said the semi last night, you know, she was kind of she could have been anywhere between six and 13th. And I'm hoping she wasn't 11th because, uh, you know, she could she could last out by one point. You know, we we won't know. We won't know that till the fi- after the final tomorrow night. But um, she just she went out there. She did everything. She's been um, titled today um, Derry Lipa, which is a great compliment, a kind of uh, a Derry version of Dua Lipa. And yeah. anybody that doesn't know Dua Lipa is a huge star in her own right. And um, just the con- uh, Brooks' confidence last night, I thought was superb. She just stood up there, and it was like, "I'm born to do this." 
and she did it. Yeah, and this, and, and I mentioned at the top of the programme when I was sharing my own disappointment, this is just the start for her. I mean, she has a great career ahead of her. We haven't seen the last of Brooke at all. And um, whether we'll ever see her in Eurovision again, we haven't seen the last of her on stage. She's just, she's a, she's a professional and a natural. And um, it's very difficult to, you know, that you get somebody so young, so, you know, kind of with, with only a few years experience behind her going out there and delivering that on the night. I know I couldn't do it. And um, there's, she, she did what I, I think, you know, it, everybody's in shock. Even um, it, it's just something that's so disappointing that she should be on the final tomorrow night. Well, I was watching the commentary via the BBC and uh, Ryden Clark, and you you could hear it in his voice. He was he was himself and Scott were utterly shocked that Ireland because they kept saying, "Where's Ireland? Where's Ireland?" Yeah, and and the thing about it is, Australia were voting last night, so we expected right. Australia, there'll be a lot of um, you know, Irish in Australia will be voting. Um, UK were voting. Uh, Brooke being from Derry, her own neighbours, her own friends and family could have voted for her. And that was a kind of, you could say, guaranteed, you know, 24 points or whatever. We don't know whether that, that is the case or not. But um, it's just the, the disappointment is is huge, you know. And um, there's, other, there's nothing other than, you know, kind of, you know, take it in and, and let it out. There's, um, I mean, there's, there's such, there, there wasn't much songs in there last night that deserved to qualify. But Ireland was definitely one of them. Someone says, does Johnny think if she'd been in the first semi, she would have had a better chance of qualifying? I think had she been in the first semi, would have qualified 100% because the selection was great. On top of that, there was only 17 songs in the in the first semi. So uh, there was... There one was, less. It was, and, 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 yeah, there was, there was one less. And um, it's... I, I, I think there's... Um, just amazement all around today why why Ireland are not in it, but it it it's it's out of our hands now, and um, I I don't know what else can be done to um for Eurovision. I mean, this they changed everything this year. They pulled out all the stops. They went with something that was completely new for us. I think from from recent years and um, delivered the goods, but the goods weren't up to scratch for whatever reason. Seventh time in the last eight contests that we haven't progressed to the final. Yeah, that's that that's a big number and it's um you know, it just it takes the interest away from tomorrow night. You know, there's there's always when when you have you know, and, and of all the songs in the final or in, in the whole thing, Ireland was one of one of the ones that I liked above all the others. And you know, I don't know, it's qualification at this point was kind of oh we we want to qualify, you know, but I think maybe now we have to be going we want to win. And um it's I, I didn't I honestly didn't think we'd, I'd be having this conversation with you today. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I, I had even a script done and rather than huge disappointment, <laughs> I had the word huge joy last night. I had to yeah. quickly and, cross that and, word out. Yeah, and all the head, headlines today are about Ireland not qualifying. But the good thing and, and what what I like is there's been other, and I know last year it was, it was a tough year and the headlines where we didn't qualify and it was kind of, I told you so, and it was, it was all negative. But, the headlines today, while we didn't qualify, it's all very positive for Brooke, which I'm happy about because she deserved she deserves the, the credit and she deserves the applause for how well she did. And people are sympathetic rather than kind of saying I told you so, which yeah. which I think is important. As that well. is absolutely OK. Belgium, Czech Republic, Azerbaijan, Poland, Finland, Estonia, Australia, Sweden, Romania and Serbia. The girl washing her hands. They the, were all the, the ones girl that... washing her hands. Now, I, talk me through... Yeah. There's no, there's no music 
to it. There's, it's just don't even get it. I saw it last night. I thought, what am I watching this for? And it was just, you know, kind of when when they announced Serbia at the very end, I thought, what? You know, it's just it, it's it, it's unfair. But one one reason people say like from the, all Serbia's neighbours and there's very there was very few of the, the that that um, area on the um in in the show last night so they're saying had if serbia gets through they'll do well in the final because they'll have all that block voting on saturday night so you know for them so um that, but that's they where didn't we have it last well. night is what you're saying yeah yeah you yeah. know so um that's, so who stood you know, out on the other the other nine who stood out for you on the other nine last night yeah well, I I actually like the Czech Republic. Uh, yeah, Czech Republic. I didn't. Um, the last. Song. It was just the the last song. It was strong I, in rehearsal. It was much better in rehearsal, but it did. It just came. I I thought it's if, to, if you close your eyes, it sounded kind of Fleetwood Mackie. Yeah, you know, for, for want of a better word. And um, I thought, you know, and they're opening tomorrow night, which is a strong place to open. Um, who else did I like last night? Um, Belgium was okay. I didn't think it was going to qualify, but you know, I I I wasn't. I, I'd say it could have been Belgium and Ireland were probably neck and neck in the um in how it all came up. Sweden for me is is the top one and um it it just came across last night. Real natural performance, strong song. And I think for tomorrow night, Sweden, Italy, UK are my top three. But I think at this point what people are saying is it's a fight for second place behind Ukraine. Yeah, well, we, you know, we spoke, as you know, with uh, Dave uh, Cargill yesterday for yeah. Live from Turin. He's he he's tipped Sweden to win. He reckons while there will be a huge sympathy vote for Ukraine, he reckons between the jury votes that he reckons Sweden will edge it. So Sweet, Sweden could do I, I'm hoping they do because that will kind of the disappointment of last night and because of the selection of songs this year is not good at all in my opinion I think a Swedish win will just redeem the whole thing for me I just it'll give a, a kind of make your vision 2022 um, a better event than, than I'm looking at it today yeah and it's a beautiful you know, song it's one of those ballads and it, it, it really it's a good. great song but but it, it's, it's it's the simplicity of it on stage and the you know it, it's it's catchy and it, it's a song that I think could you know, will will kind of do well, kind of on, on radio play and what have you. you. Know it'll be a popular song, and um, that that's what the whole thing is about. Really, song contest and what it used to be, but it's gone away from. But um, that's that's where we find ourselves today. The only downside, and I do like, I love the Swedish song as well. Uh, the only downside, if Sweden win, they will then match us. Uh, that's right. They'll have seven that, wins under their belt, and I don't right. know which if maybe, I'm happy with that. Which <laughs> Yeah, but it, it could be good in the sense that, right, maybe Ireland would say, right, well, we have to go ahead again, you know, and do something different to make sure, right, well, we're going to win it next year. We're going to qualify. We're going to do better, you know. So maybe if it's kind of lighting a fire, maybe that's needed. That It's not the, the reason to do it, but... um you know, we would they would be hand in hand with us and the and the same number of wins. So um that remains to be seen and as you know, your nothing is is um confirming or concrete in your vision. It's just it's how it is on the night and um how as they say the housewives of Norway how they're voting and that's and that's more so these days because of the televote. That's leading to the next question from a listener. Could you ask Johnny, does he think we should be getting rid of the telly vote and bring it back to the old fashioned way of just the jury vote? No. Yes and no. Um, if people say get rid of the telly vote. 
I'll just say, get rid of the jury vote. I think the combination of both does, and it would have changed results over the years, and, and there's no doubt about that. And there were years when we just had the uh, tele vote and the results weren't, you know, up to scratch. I think the fact that you have the professionals, it does take away, you know, if there's the, the, the combination has is has been the best option. It's it's like everything you'd say, is it better just the jury or just the televote? I think the combination is a better option because it it um it controls it better and you get a, a much more even the cream rises to the top in this way. I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Okay, and so just remind us how the voting works. Is is it a fifty fifty split? Fifty fifty split. The juries now will vote from the uh, second dress rehearsal tonight. The juries will do their voting, so all the jury votes will be done and dusted by the end of show tonight. Then they'll be collated and they'll be called in first tomorrow night, and whatever way the scoreboard is looking at from twenty five down to number one the votes will be, the televotes will come in. So whatever country comes last, say say Estonia are singing in 25th place, say for example, if their bottom of the jury vo- um, vote from last night, their televotes will be given. So all the televotes are brought down into percentage and given, given points. So just say Estonia come last and their, their votes are called in, they'll go to wherever on the scoreboard, whoever came 24th, 25th and so on. Mm. And when it comes down then to the last two, it's kind of whoever's on the top of the scoreboard it's the whoever you know whatever points come yeah. whether they'll win it's always you know, so it's exciting it's the best part of it it's it, the best part it. it's, it's the best part and it's they've made because for so many years with the televoting or with the, just the jury by the time you got to the end of it it was a runaway whereas this you don't know until the very end how it's going to be you know, um, and, and, that's, and listen, that's, let's, let us not above all anything else let us not take away from the fact that the Italians are putting on the most amazing song contest Absolutely fantastic song. You might have seen last night um, during uh, the interval, the the big stage, the the arcs at the back were actually working. They were meant to be moving throughout the whole show, and it wasn't until when they got it going, I got the setup and all that. Oh, this isn't working, so we're not going to use it. And it, it, I've seen a computer uh, version of it, and the graphics and the lighting that they had, what they could have done with that, was fantastic. And a lot of the acts had their uh, staging um, designed around this but then on the first day of rehearsals this isn't working so they just scrapped it so now we're just going to leave it as it is but they did they did use it last night for um, I'm trying to think what but um, was it I can't remember who was on stage last night but during the interval one of the interval acts they used it and it looked spectacular so they'll probably use that tomorrow night and tomorrow night Meek is performing individually again Laura's performing, Laura the per, um, presenter is performing, <laughs> excuse me Maniskin from our last year's winners, mm. they'd be taking part and Giliola Cinquetti who won for Italy for the first time back in 1964 <laughs> and she presented when Italy did in 1991 she comes out of she's retirement. performing. It'd be like us yeah. bringing Dan out and saying get up there Absolutely, get up there and 100% yeah. right. and uh, okay, it's, but it's, it's going to be one to watch And regardless we'll watch it. Uh, Graeme Norton or Marty Whelan for you tomorrow night? Um, I don't fifty fifty probably. <laughs> I go televote and jury. It's back and it's it's kind of back and forth. <laughs> I like Graham from the point of view he can be Wogan esque, I suppose, for want of a better word. And then Marty is good as well. And I suppose the fact that Brooke isn't in it maybe 
there'd be more of an interest, uh, maybe Graham, because UK are still in it. Okay. You know, it might be there might be more of an atmosphere. All right, pleasure as always, uh, Johnny. Thank you for that. Enjoy it as best you can tomorrow thanks, night. Trish. But uh, thanks a million Thank for, 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 for joining us. Bye bye. That is uh, our own Eurovision correspondent, uh, Johnny O'Mahony. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. The C103 Street Fleet are in Charleville today. And to find out what's happening and how they're getting on, here is Ken Powers. Good afternoon, Ken. Thanks, Patricia. We are on Main Street in Charleville right now. And we're here at McCarthy's Life Pharmacy in Charleville to celebrate 21 years in business. Congratulations to Mary and all the gang here at McCarthy's Life Pharmacy. And they are throwing a party like no other. Come and join us, Main Street in Charleville, between now and one o'clock. Lots of deals, lots of prizes. And plenty of music as well. So come and join us, Main Street Charleville at McCarthy's Life Pharmacy, celebrating 21 years. I'm Ken Paris with the Street Fleet on C103. Thanks, Ken. That's the place to be. If you're on Charleville this afternoon, pop into uh, the Life Pharmacy. And congratulations to Mary and the rest of the crew. 21 years in uh, business. Now, can I also say, I just mentioned a couple, I want to send on best wishes to some things I picked up in the papers uh, today on making the front page of the Echo lovely photograph of James McCarthy a paramedic who's retiring after has retired after 30 years working for the National Ambulance Service and he's pictured on the front page of the Echo today on his last shift in Castletown Bear Ambulance Base and he started with the Ambulance Service in 1992 and he actually started out of Mill Street Hospital and according to the Echo today over the last 30 years, Jimmy has worked in every ambulance station across the whole county of Cork and he is one of the longest serving members of the ambulance service so we want to wish him well in his retirement. He says in the papers he's looking forward to the next chapter and uh, he's bought a Volkswagen camper and he plans to travel Ireland along with his wife uh, Gabby who has also recently retired so best wishes to James and to Gabby McCarthy on their retirement. It's a great um, and he would be really missed from the ambulance service but the fact that he has worked at every single station across the county. So many people will know exactly who James McCarthy uh, is. May we wish him a long and a happy retirement. And well done to another young lad that Owen English is picking up on in the examiner today. This is a young boy from Passage West in West Cork with a very sharp eye for detail. He's unearthed what is now being deemed uh, an archaeological treasure. Dara Kenny, he's only seven, he has been credited with discovering a near 5,000 year old, possibly Neolithic or Stone Age flint arrowhead. And he was out on a beach last weekend with his mum when he found it. And obviously there's a lot of work going on now to confirm that this this is and to try to date uh, when this would have been around. But it is possible that it is older than the pyramids of Egypt and even older than Stonehenge. He was digging in the sand in Dunworley Beach near Clonakilty. He was on a camping weekend last week with his mother, Grace. And uh, Grace, speaking to Own English in the paper, says that he's one of those little boys. He loves shells, he loves stones and he loves digging and exploring and he rarely misses uh, anything. And she said he's hugely, he's only seven, hugely observant. So when he found this, he knew that that wasn't just an, you know, an ordinary piece of stone just cast it aside. He knew that there was something more to this. So he came back and said, look, what's this, Mum? Of course, Mum took a look at it and said, not too sure, hon. So she took a photograph, sent it off to the National Museum of Ireland. 
thought that she realised it was a flint but thought she so many of those flints been found it, you know we won't hear anything back but to her delight the National Museum replied with confirmation that Dara had found what looks like to be a flint arrowhead dated to the late Neolithic in Ireland which would be 3000 BC to 2700 BC unreal now the museum has obviously collected the arrowhead from Dara for study and for cataloguing then it'll then be placed in storage where obviously then it will be available for uh, researchers into the uh, future and actually the museum now have invited Dara who's a first class pupil in the Star of the Sea school in Passage West to visit the museum and to expect the and where he could get to inspect the arrowhead that he found during uh, the summer. And in case people are saying, does he get anything for finding that? Seemingly, he's in line for what's called a small finder's fee. Um, as set out under the National Monuments Act. But I don't know how much the small finder's fee is, but he'll have a piece that'll be forevermore in that museum and will be used for research going forward. So well done to uh, Dara. Now, looking at your calls and comments coming in. Oh, let me go to WhatsApp for a minute. The lady who'd contacted us yesterday who was given a... Was, giving out I suppose the way it, way it was it was bemoaning the fact that a young Ukrainian refugee had got a part time hospitality job in Yall and they were only in Yall four days and they managed to pick up the job another walk and four kilometres to get to the job and four kilometres uh, back and uh, she was bemoaning the fact that she lost her job due to Covid and that she's highly qualified in hospitality as she's qualified as a carer she's qualified in management in pubs and she can't get a job and uh, so she was saying can't believe somebody can be in the country four days and that they can they can get a job and I was quite taken aback by that because she's she's so qualified there's so many jobs out there and we're constantly hearing there's so many jobs out there I even went through yesterday's job link to highlight just on our job link that there was four jobs that she could have applied for so I'm just wondering why she's finding it so difficult to secure work and then that led to another lady with a big heart saying tell that woman to just go down to y'all sit get a cup of coffee and sit and look into the eyes of those heartbroken mothers and their children who are sitting on the beach trying to fill their days and just you know they're thinking of their family members back in uh, Ukraine and suggested maybe that she could volunteer while she's waiting to get a job. Well, she's back to us uh, to say, well, yes, I feel sorry for these people, the Ukrainian refugees, but... You know, about the, I know what's coming they're getting everything free social welfare free driver's licence I had to do 12 lessons before I could get my full licence now I'll stop you there straight away and this is the, all the myths that are doing the rounds and I always say to people when you hear something like that check the details the Ukrainian refugees are not getting free driver's licence what has been allowed is that a Ukrainian refugee can exchange they can do a licence exchange from their Ukrainian driver's licence and they can get an Irish driver's licence which will be valid for 12 months and will apply to cars only so they're not getting free driver's licence so let's go back to this uh, lady who says tell that woman the woman who suggested that she goes and volunteers with the, with the refugees I reared my five children with no money uh, no husband I suffered I went out to work and I didn't get anything for free I'm still looking for work maybe the employers should take a look at themselves and I go back and say I don't know where you're sending your CVs to or what doors you're knocking on because employers will tell you they are desperately particularly in hospitality screaming out all the time for workers they're bringing in workers from overseas because they can't get enough people to fill the uh, vacancies and um, 
the, the majority, if not all, of the Ukrainian refugees don't want anything for free either. You speak to any of them and they'll all say what they most want is a job. They want to be able to contribute. They don't want to be living on social welfare. I know one of the big problems that came up earlier for the refugees that have arrived uh, here was childcare issue. They wanted to get out to work, but many of them have travelled with very young children and they're trying to get childcare uh, organised. So it's not that they're here bleeding the country dry of their own choice. They don't want to be here. They are fleeing a wartime situation. 0818103103. That was came in by WhatsApp. Still getting lots of comments in to do with the Eurovision. Let's go to a lighter note. Somebody says the fellow with a strange mask. That's the that's the Australian the Australian guy who, by the way, his dress and it's only in the Eurovision you could say the guy singing for Australia. His dress weighed forty kgs and he had that chain thing over his face. And then another lady washing her hands. Uh, it's so funny how people vote. Maybe we should get and broke next year to go out and sing My Lovely Horse. Maybe we'll win if we send out that song instead. Tom and Donna rest very disappointed that the Irish song didn't get through. I feel the voting is going I'll vote for you if you vote for me. I feel at this stage they should get rid of the public vote from Eurovision. Go back to the big juries um, as the public vote is uh, Tom feels is simply not working. Nora's in Skip. I've, now, Nora's, this, you're the only one, Nora, can I say, of all of the calls and comments we've received this morning. Nora feels the song wasn't great and she wasn't impressed with Brooke in her interview with Ryan Tuberty on The Late Late Show and I didn't see that interview so I can't comment. She also felt that her dress sense wasn't appropriate and Nora said she wasn't on her own she was speaking to some of her friends who felt uh, the same but she said of course she's accepting it's just a personal opinion and then Mike in Corraheen says when it comes to music everybody's taste is different everybody would hear a song differently and that's the problem with a public vote especially over a vast area of countries what I think is good says Mike you might think is atrocious so it's always going to be the toughest contest to win thank you for that to 081 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. There's about 40 minutes left on a coffee and entertainment morning, which has been held at Ivy's Bar in Donorell. It finishes up at one o'clock. It's to raise funds for Art for the Heart and also a chance to share information about upcoming events, including the Donorell Saura Festival. Parents Association of Skull Isagon Infant School are holding a coffee morning this morning. It's on now in the grounds of Skull Isagon on Spa Glen and it's to raise money for the special education classes. Hazelwood Tennis Club, they've got a fundraising table quiz tonight, half past eight, Mick Burke's Bar in Butterant. Tables of four, 40 euro, all are welcome. Bingo is in Mallow GAA Complex tonight, 8.15, jackpot of €2,800. And Bingo Invaded Old Store in the Creamery Yard in Kildallery is on tonight. Doors open at 7, eyes down at 8, with the option of playing inside or outside in your car and a jackpot of €2,020. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance cmig.ie
Mentioning bingos there on the Community Diary, uh, Tom McCarthy's been on to say, Patricia, would you give a mention to Aragon Community Hall? Their bingo is on next Sunday, half past two in the afternoon, and they're doing it as an indoor-outdoor event because there's still some people nervous about going indoors, but that's half past two next uh, Sunday. And and someone else wants to announce that Michael Sexton is playing in Theo Park uh, tonight. 0818 103 103, John Paul taking your calls. Now, the Mayor of the County of Cork, Councillor Gillian Coughlin, recently announced the long-awaited return of the Mayor's Midsummer Charity Ball and the date has been fixed for Friday the 10th of June. Delighted to say the Mayor of Cork County, uh, Gillian Coughlin, uh, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Gillian. Good afternoon, Patricia. Now, Gillian, isn't there something fabulous about looking forward to a glamorous night out? I agree with you, Patricia. It is nice, especially um, in the post-COVID era where we hadn't the opportunity to go out and dress up like this and to gather. I think that really is what we missed, to meet up with our friends, to organise, to plan something like this. And especially to do that when it is for such good causes. Yeah. I think it certainly is It is something to look forward to. Yeah, and it certainly has been miss- missed. And what's unusual about this event is y- y- it's staged on the ground floor of County Hall. Yes, we decided to bring it back to County Hall. It's an unusual venue and it makes it very unique um, for the Mayor's Charity Ball. And so we will be transforming the lobby of Cork County Hall into a beautiful ballroom for the night. And I'm really looking forward to welcoming um, guests to the, the Midsummer Charity Ball there. And the lobby is, is, is a fine size, so it's big enough to accommodate it. Absolutely. So the more the merrier, you know, we certainly are hoping for a big crowd on the night um, to support the charities that, that are being that have been nominated by me. OK, and I have to say, I'm delighted I'm going to be involved on the night, along with Marty Morrissey. We'll be having a Marty party. <laughs> Indeed. Well, I'm so pleased that you are there, Patricia. And I certainly you know it is, it's important to me that we have my, my own local flavour to the um, to the ball and I'm really pleased that you're going to be part of the night and yes Marty Morrissey so we will be having a Patricia and Marty party <laughs> on the night along with other special guests as well and you know it, I, it really is a great night okay. um, is, in, is, in, is in train there's great plans in train for a, a really enjoyable night okay. um, and I, I'm excited about it. Talk me through and, and you've, you've personally selected these three charities have you? Yes Yeah yes, okay indeed. talk so, me through yeah, Breakthrough Cancer Research, um, Patricia, as you, as you know, is a re- research company and research a charity here in Cork that is researching um, cures and treatments for cancers. And as we know, in the past 20, 30 years, how well advanced treatments have become and thankfully outcomes in cancer treatment have become much, much better. But there's still a lot to do and there's still some very tragic um, cases, as we know. So I really, I really am invested, I suppose, the education and in the advancement of research here. The more we know about these, about cancer, the better we can treat it and the more um, specifically treatments can can cater to the actual cancer in, in, in a person's body. So an excellent charity and I'm really looking forward to working with them. And then the Irish Red Cross, as we know, they do magnificent work in the community. They have always done magnificent work in um, supporting charities. The Irish Red Cross Ambulance attends many local events and festivals and without those ambulances, those festivals could not take place. Insurance would not be provided to cover those festivals. So I'm a really great advocate of the um, of the Irish Red Cross. But even more so now, with war on our continent, unfortunately, the way in which the Irish Red Cross has stepped up to the mark to support um, refugees as they've arrived to the country and in on their arrival 
um, to support them here in, in our own community in Bandon and right across the county. So the Irish Red Cross certainly deserves our support. And then West Cork Women Against Violence. Um, as we know, during the pandemic, Tricia, and you had it many times on your programme and it was on national media as well, there, there, is an, there is a hidden pandemic, I suppose, of, of violence in the home, not only against women, but per, you know, predominantly so. And West Cork Women Against Violence advocates for women, um, you know, helps them, supports them, particularly if they are in that sort of acrimonious relationship, and helps to empower them, perhaps, to make the uh, decision to take the next step um, and provides refuge as well. So I, I really admire the work they do. It's a very quiet mm. charity. You know, it's one that may not always grab the headlines, but it is sterling, sterling work. And of course, during charity or tragedies during the year, that work came to the fore. But it is happening quietly, you know, behind closed doors every day. And this charity is working very, very hard for, for women, with women. And, and I admire it. And I, I hope that we will be able to raise lots of money to support each of those three charities. Ah, brilliant. You've, you've really nailed it. You've picked three great um, charities. So the idea, the idea is the tickets are now on sale or people can book a, a table. Yes, um, tickets are €100 Euro, um, uh, uh, per ticket and again it is for charity. All profits will go to charity and on the night um, there will be artists and food again from, from all from County Cork. There's a real well, or County Cork theme in this, uh, on this night and um, food and drinks from County Cork to be enjoyed, great music, dance and fun to be had. And as I say, you will certainly get value for your for your ticket. And yes, so you can you can look on Eventbrite, the Cork County Council of Mayor's um, charity ball is on Eventbrite and the tickets are there to purchase. Okay. Or if you prefer to um www uh, mayorsball.ie as well will will get you there. Okay, and as you say, more than anything it's just a chance Together and for people to, to, to be Indeed. to be to get together, it's really great. You're coming. When do you finish? Is this one of your last? Will this be one of your last um, events? It will be. It will be. So the 10th of June is the mayor's ball, and the uh, annual general meeting of Cork County Council will take place the 24th of June. So it will be one of my one of my it will be crescendo to my year, I suppose. You know, and um, in that sense, looking back over the year. I certainly would be something, you know, it, it will be a nice end, bookend to a very, very um, enjoyable year that I had as mayor of the county. Have you loved it? Have you really loved I it? I must say I have. I have been in my element. Um, it has been a very positive year, a year in which I have been, you know, privileged to witness a lot of the really good work that Cork County Council does as regards infrastructure, housing, um, all of that. And, and of course, in social scenarios as well, again, supporting our festivals, supporting local groups and, and that sort of thing. But also then to travel abroad to represent Cork County in Chicago and in New York on St. Patrick's Day was, you know, a, a complete privilege. And also then the county development plan, the work of Cork County, Cork County to be the chair of the county and to work with all of my councillors to get that key piece of um, work done. You know, it's, it's a sort of a Bible for the next five to six years for Cork County. And to work through that, you know, diligently with my councillors was a great honour. And I saw a great side of, 
of each and every councillor. And I want to thank them for the support and indeed the electors of Banton Kinsale for electing me to Cork County Council to give me this opportunity to act as Mayor of Cork County. Well done. And I saw so, I hope you, someone's kept a scrapbook for you because I saw so many photographs in uh, the papers of you at various events. And, and I was just thinking, God, did she deserve an hour in the day that the woman isn't out? Uh, because you were to attend so many events and a lot of them were community events. And I always feel that's probably the, the nice part of the job as well, is it getting out and, and meeting, you know, right across the county? Absolutely, Patricia. And the regard in which the chain is held, you know, is a real tribute to um, previous mayors and all of the councillors and the work that Cork County does. But yes, you know, and one of the, uh, really, I know best, but early on, we were in COVID when I was first, yeah. when I first became mayor. So I, you know, I didn't have an opportunity to travel um, really out to communities, you know, there were the restrictions were in place. But one of my early trips was to Bally Desmond and it was late at night. I'd been at a few different destinations in that um, locality prior to that with a lovely warm welcome in Kishkeem and in Bohabui and Newton Tranjim. But by the time I got to Bally Desmond, it was nearly 10 o'clock in the evening of a September's evening now. It was getting cold and, and dark. And yes, you know, there were three or four dozen people on the footpath with warm tea um, oh. waiting for me and a beautiful a speech when I arrived out of the car to welcome me to Bally Desmond. And that's only one instance of yeah. many, many in which the welcome, the warm, warm welcome I received. And then, of course, the commemorations, as you know, I'm a history teacher and, uh, you know, very interested in history. But to have been invited to Clan Bannon and to Clan Mulse and all of those places um, and to have been able to deliver orations of some of them was it a significant honour for me personally and also as, as mayor of the county. So I have really had a magnificent year and I'm, I'm truly grateful. Um, and it has been a, an excellent highlight. I well done. You've, oh, you, you, you've certainly done us proud. Is the chain heavy? By the way, it is. It is heavy, <laughs> particularly early. The first couple of days I wore it, I felt it was weighing me down. But now, you know, when I'm not wearing it, I kind of feel something's missing. <laughs> so you get, it's amazing what you get used to. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I'm, I'm really looking forward uh, to, to the night, uh, Friday, the 10th of uh, June, uh, Gillian. And listen, continue good luck with the rest of your Thank time you. as the Mayor of Cork County. And we'll see you on the 10th. Indeed. Thank Thanks you, Patricia. Thanks for that. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is the current mayor of the county of Cork, Gillian Coughlin. As I say, those tickets are on sale if you'd like to come along to the mayor's midsummer charity ball. Really looking forward to being involved. But I just think the three charities are just incredible. Uh, breakthrough can- Cancer uh, Research, and, and we all know research is, is so uh, needed. I had a, a gorgeous friend of mine who unfortunately passed away due to cancer, but because of cancer uh, research, she was kept alive for five years longer than she should have been because she kept going on trials and something else would come out and something else would, would come out and I'm always so thankful to anybody that works in cancer research for allowing us to, to have our beautiful Claire in, in our lives for an extra five years. We all know the work of the Irish Red Cross, the Ukrainian Appeal and Gillian is right. I think the Red Cross are one of those organisations, you know, you see them at field days, you always know they're there but by God have they stepped up to the mark with what's happening in Ukraine both on the ground in the countries that border Ukraine uh, but also here at home they are an incredible organisation and the West Cork Women Against Violence I can never speak more highly about the West Cork Women Against Violence project because when I started this programme 30 
30, it's been 32 years ago this year. It was in kind of the first six to nine months where it got a letter in. It was back in the day when you, that's how pe- listeners communicated with you. You'd get phone calls, but I mean, there was no text messaging, there was no emails. And I remember getting a letter in from uh, a listener, anonymous, obviously, uh, talking about the very violent situation that she was living in. And I was trying to address it on air and trying to give her advice. But we'd nowhere locally, there was nowhere locally to send her to. And I remember getting advice from a local Bangar that in Bandon Garda station at the time to say where, where would I direct her to we had at the time it was the Cork Rape Crisis Centre uh, in the city but there was nowhere local she was in a very rural area and it was just I just remembered feeling so helpless at the time and that's why when the West Cork Women Against Violence Group project was set up I remember thinking thank God that there's now help today for women who find themselves in that position so three really really good charities that our Mayor Gillian Coughlin has selected 0818103103 John Paul taking your calls and can I just respond to a text that came in from John in Blackpool to say hi Patricia I'm just wondering did any of you listeners get a text from on post last night regarding the re-delivery of parcels that were uh, for items purchased online the thing is Patricia it was midnight last night uh, when I got it I was asleep and the text message woke me up and I got a terrible fright okay I on post do send out posts do send out texts. I regularly get texts to say that I've got to have a delivery. Next day delivery is normally at what it states. So it is possible if you have ordered something online, it is possible that some post telling you that next today or tomorrow that you're going to receive your package but it equally could be a scam what I would say with any of those texts because if it's legitimately from on post it's just on post sending you a text and you don't have to do anything you don't have to click on anything if there's anything in that text message that's asking you to click on a link or to call someone or to do something or to go online then completely ignore it and delete it because because then it is more than likely a uh, scam but it could as I say if it's from on post it's just telling you that a parcel is due to arrive thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, joining us on this Friday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. You're very welcome to the programme. Okay, two movies. Uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. That's a great title for a movie. <laughs> and then A House of Gucci is the second one. Okay, let's take a trailer from the Doctor Strange. Strange movie. The multiverse. It's life or death. You could use an Avenger. There are other Avengers. We'll get you back on the lunchbox. of the multiverse depends on us. No pressure then. What's what's the multiverse? Yeah, that's a very, very good good question. Yeah. And it's something I do, I have to admit, I have a huge problem with. Basically, what it says is that um, if you and I are in this universe, we are ourselves, but we can be ourselves in a different universe. And we can cross on occasions to those different universes. And this is what is happening now with uh, the whole kind of Marvel series of movies. Um, See, the thing is, the thing about Marvel is that down throughout the years, um, one of the things I've always liked about, in particular the films, are the origin stories. I I liked the first Doctor Strange film. I liked the first Ant-Man, Iron Man, the first Captain America. And over the years, what they've basically done now 
is that once they've kind of built up all of these stories, now they've decided to open what they call the multiverse. And basically what they're saying is, as I say, there are different universes. We're basically the same. We're the same people, but in different universes. If you saw the previous film, if you saw the previous um, um um, uh, what was it, uh, Spider-Man film, for example, which I like very uh, In that film, Doctor Strange casts this spell that opens the doorway to the, the multiverse. And it worked very, very well in that film. But one of the reasons I liked the origin stories is because they've kind of tended to be kind of small. They tended to be kind of uh, more kind of rooted in kind of reality, if that's a kind of an odd thing to say for, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, um, a Marvel film. Because you can identify, I can identify with, say, Spider-Man, you know, swinging through New York and beating up bad guys what i can't identify with is when the films become really more magical and out of step with kind of the reality that i would kind of know of and and that's my problem with the multiverse now because what they're doing now basically is they're opening up the films to all different kinds of universes so that if your favorite character for example that you have become kind of almost emotionally involved with for the last 20 years watching marvel films dies uh, they just switch it and bring it another version of that character from another universe mm. and it's i don't know part of that's a bit of for movies it's endless Say again? it's endless possibilities for storylines and movies Exactly. And what they can do also with this multiverse universe then is is invite characters from other Marvel movies and other characters into these films and just sandwich them into them. And um, and I, I, I don't really like it. Do you know what it reminds me of? Do you remember the Star Trek? Remember the holodeck in Star Trek, the Star Trek, the I television do. series? Yeah where they would go into this holodeck and uh, they could uh, come into this different world, this hologram world. For example, they could send the characters back to 1930s, mm. say, Chicago, and they could become kind of gangsters. And I always kind of thought that was a bit of a cop-out. And obviously they did that because they kind of ran out of ideas. They thought, okay, we don't have a story this week. What are we going to do? We'll send them into the holodeck. And I used to watch it and think, what's this got to do with Star Trek? What's this got to do uh, with, um, uh, with science fiction? And I think for me, it now opens up this whole world where basically... They can do anything they want. They can kill off and bring back characters whenever they want. And I don't particularly like that very much. And I'm, I kind of worry about the future of, of Marvel. Is this, if this is the way, you know, they're going to go, which is why, you know, I did like the first one. This one, I did enjoy it. I mean, there's some very, very interesting stuff happening here. If you're wondering where it is in kind of the, the list of Marvel films, uh, it's just after the snap. If you've never watched any Marvel films, you won't know what that is. And it's just after WandaVision, the television series that was on Disney Plus. So it would be a People ask me all the time, you know, if you've never seen a Marvel film, would you be able to enjoy this and watch this? You, the, the previous film, the Spider-Man film, I think you could have heard no. There are so many Easter eggs. There are so many references to, uh, to to other shows. And there's a lot of references to WandaVision. And if you haven't seen WandaVision, you will know, have absolutely no idea what Elizabeth Olsen is doing in this film. And I think that can cause an awful lot of confusion. And I've watched pretty much every, I have watched every, um, every Marvel film. I was confused at times watching this and I was kind of thinking, well, what's going on here? What are the, what are they trying to ach achieve here? There's some very, very strange oddness going on here. I believe, though, that um, there were problems when the film was made. They took out something like 40 minutes. They went back again and reshot uh, a lot of scenes. So there is a lot of confusion, especially in that kind of third quarter, uh, where it's almost like characters have just been implanted there just for kind of fan service, uh, because they kind of thought, well, the third kind of part is in a, a bit of trouble here. Uh, you know, look, the, 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 the performances are all pretty good, especially by Elizabeth Olsen. She is terrific. Um, the other thing though, to keep in mind, though, it's, it's a PG-12 
I think it's 12 is a company. No, it's not. It's 12 is a company film. Uh, it's made by Sam Raimi, who's kind of famous for, uh, you know, making a lot of horror movies like Evil Dead in the past. And it's the first Marvel film to be given that reference of a horror film. And uh, there are some kind of horrific elements in this film. And so for under 12s, I think, which might be uh, a little difficult for them, I think. Um, I mean, there were times when I watched it and I thought it was a little bit creepy. There was a couple of deaths where I actually went, whoa, you know, which kind of caught me by surprise. Um, but look, I, you know, I, I was never bored. That was the one thing. I thought all the performances, as I say, were great. The special effects were great. But it's it's decidedly a very, very odd, strange. And it, it is, I think, alongside maybe Thor 2, my least favourite uh, of the Marvel uh, films. So keeping strange in the title is a good move. OK, mark it out of 10, uh, Mark. Uh, I'll give it six. Six out of ten. Okay, now yeah. now House of Gucci. This is the Lady Gaga uh, movie. They can't, can't can't mixed reviews. Some people absolutely loved it, and some people absolutely hated it. And I know she totally immersed herself in trying to get the accent. Uh, what what did you, what did you make of it? Um, and well, I, I, I tell you this right now, um, she is by far the best thing in this movie. And I mean, there's some big, big shot actors in this film, like Jerry Irons, you've got Al Pacino, you've got Adam Driver. And she is extraordinary. I mean, she really is the best thing in it. And it's funny you should say that because her accent is probably the best accent in the whole film. Um, for some reason, they decided not to um, cast Italian actors. They cast British and, um, and American actors. And so therefore, some of the accents are a bit well dodgy. Uh, Jared Leto, for example. <laughs> Jared Leto. I mean, you know, Jared Leto is, is um, he is a method actor. Uh, he just made a film called Morbius. And in that film, uh, he decided that uh, he would stay in character throughout the whole thing. So therefore, was it, whenever he was on set, he would wear crutches. But the problem is, is if he went to the bathroom, it would take an hour for him to get there and then back again. <laughs> so they had to say to him, look, you're, you're holding up film, filming here. <clears throat> So they, he said, OK, tell you what, I'll, I'll use a wheelchair. So oh. the crew had to wheel him around the set. So in this film, he's playing a character that looks nothing like uh, like uh, Jared Leto. So he's got all this kind of latex on his face. And he decided to have this accent here like it is. And how uh, the director, I mean, the director here is Ridley Scott, how Ridley, you know, allowed him to walk on set and just ruin this film. I mean, he really is terrible. I mean, he's awful in this film. And, um, and you know, the thing is that Al Pacino, of course, is also a, a very famous method actor as well. So the, when the two of them are on screen, it's like they're trying to out-method each other. And it's like they're in a pantomime. You know what I mean? And the worst thing, the awful thing is that those two characters uh, and those two actors just undermine what is pretty a pretty good film because of course the story of the house of gucci is extraordinary i mean adam driver uh, plays the main character uh, in this film uh, he's Mauricio gucci who kind of lives and has brought up in this incredible riches and splendor i mean a lifestyle that you and i could never even hope to and dream to dream of uh, to live in um but he doesn't really want to be part of the empire and he meets lady gaga who plays uh, patricia who is a working class girl uh, his lady father gaga. jeremy irons who Lady Gaga, yeah. yeah. His father, Jeremy Irons, says, look, she's just after your money. Adam Driver says, no, I'm in love. And uh, he decides to leave the Gucci empire. In the meantime, Al Pacino has his uncle, Aldo Gucci, who basically runs the Gucci empire, tries to kind of bring him back into the fold again. And that's where kind of Lady Gaga, as Patricia, sees her kind of, uh, her moment and her ambition to kind of um, 
for her husband, especially, uh, begins to kind of unravel the legacy of the Gucci family and uh, and then kind of spirals this kind of acts of betrayal and uh, decadence. And, uh, you know, it's and she is the one who kind of poisons the whole kind of Gucci empire. And it is an extraordinary uh, story. And it's very, very well directed. It's very, it, the film looks absolutely extraordinary. It really does. Two and a half hours, it is way too long. But look, if you're into the fashion world, if you're into the Gucci story, and ultimately it is a very sad story, if you know the story yeah. uh, about uh, the character here, uh, Maurizio, it is quite sad. Um, well, he, he gets but murdered. it is extraordinary. He gets murdered. Oh, well, Patricia, okay. no spoilers, please. <laughs> everybody, everybody knows that. And actually, what's interesting is the real Patricia is still alive. She's in, she's in her 70s she, and is still alive today. Uh, she is, and I won't. Uh, I won't expand further on uh, what happens to uh, Patrizia in okay. case people yeah, don't know oh, the story. Okay. Right. Uh, but yeah, Fair so enough. the film ultimately looks beautiful. She is terrific. Lady Gaga is brilliant in that film. Uh, the, unfortunately, some of the acting, as I've just mentioned, kind of undermines what could be a very, very good story. And it's it's just you just it's just laughing at some of the performances, and it's such a shame. And as I say, how really Scott allowed that to happen, I don't know. It's well directed. Looks beautiful is fascinating and interesting. It is way too long, but it's still an interesting film to watch. Worth the watch. How's the Gucci market out yeah. of 10? I'll give it six. Six out of 10. All right. Thank you for that. Two sixes this week. Okay, Mark, have a lovely week. Yeah. And we will chat next okay. uh, Friday. That is Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. And somebody has been on, I don't know if this is somebody who works within uh, on Garda Shia Corner or not, but when we were talking about, you know, when you bring an item into the Garda, to the Garda station that needs to get stamped and signed by on Garda Shia Corner and Declan Hurley was saying there were some problems with people going into Garda stations that are not open 24-7. Then when the passport office rings, there's nobody there. Somebody says, Patricia, the guard at the desk puts all of the details of the passport into the passport record book. When the passport office then contacts the Garda station. They only need to check that the details are in the book. They don't need to speak to the individual Garda in person and that's good to know. But I think the problem that's happening is it's not necessarily that the Garda isn't on duty. The problem that is coming up is that when they're ringing some of the Garda stations that are only open for a couple of hours every day or a couple of hours every week, there's nobody there. There's nobody answering the phone and that's where the problem is arising. Not for everybody, but for some. But thank you. Um, there's no name on that, just it's a listener in uh, Trilly. Thank you for that. And Capabui National School in West Cork. Remember, they joined us because for the last two years, they have won the School of Vision Song Contest, which runs the same week as Eurovision. It's based, kind of based on the same thing. And uh, we spoke with their lovely principal on the programme on earlier on in the uh, week, Norma Healy. And we wish them all the best because we knew that the Eurovision, the School of Vision was on today. As I say, they've won it for the previous two years. They were going for three in a row. But in fairness, Norma did say that there was a very poignant and heartfelt entry from a school in Ukraine and the results are in and Ukraine has won the School of Vision Song Contest. But would you believe our little school in Capamore in uh, Capabui in West Cork, which is just a two teacher national school in West Cork. They have come second. It's just incredible. Ukraine came in in first place with 280 points and second place was Ireland. They got 215 points. Turkey went next with 169. Poland 153 and Israel 122. So that is a 
terrific achievement I feel for the, for those kids well done to everyone in Capabuie that's where I leave you uh, Nick could switch you for the afternoon thanks to John Paul talk to you on Monday bye today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice you know who to talk to cmig.ie a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.